Hi, this is John Cackley with Center Consulting. Today I'm talking to my colleague Heather Bohorek about career development. First of all, Heather, uh, tell me more about yourself. When I started with Centric, I had been previously in soul learning and development. And so with that, I actually went to college to become a teacher. And through that journey, found out that I really liked teaching others and how, like helping people grow. But I really like to do it in a business setting, not a classroom setting. And so I kind of switched gears right after college. I went and actually was a teacher for um, about a year. And then after that, returned to the business world and started doing learning and development. And so I've been doing HR and or learning and development, talent management for the past 12 years. Okay. And what's your role now with Centric? So I am now leading up the talent management team. And so there's a lot that goes into that, but essentially you're looking at our HR folks, our learning and development, our events, it's loosely um, but strongly connected to our recruiting team as well. So what do you think are the most important things a company can do to support an employee's career? Being able to meet the person in the middle. I really believe that company is around to make money, right? That's how, that's how we get paid. But it's all about supporting the employee on where they want to go also. So when it comes to what a company can do for, for an employee is help connect their passions to the work that they're doing. I might have a passion to ride a horse or something like that. That doesn't really fit within a, a standard company culture um, unless we're, we're selling horses and, and delivering uh, horseback riding services, right? But being able to dive deep and connect to each individual employee and figure out figure out what they love to do and how does that fit into everyday work life? Is it teaching others? Is it helping people grow? Is it solving problems? Is it building things? All of those can be typically plugged into a standard day-to-day -day operation of a business and something that we can do here at Centric too. Cool. So those ideas of meeting people in the middle, you think it's, that's something that maybe we've had the expectations of millennials sort of changing that view? Or do you think we've just naturally gotten there anyway? It's hard to say. I'm technically a millennial. I, I sometimes forget that I am and because definitely the, the stereotypical millennial is still in people's mind like just those people that just graduated from college, right? But I've been in the workforce for over a decade and, and I'm technically um, on paper a millennial. So it's hard for me to say, did, did the millennials, did we change that? Or was that natural progression? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I know that overall you think about millennial stereotypical mindset, they have very strong passions and want to put their passions to work. So it's no longer this go to work and do the job and come home and completely separate, but it's the integration of how does our day-to-day -day work impact our lives and other people's lives and are able to fit into the bigger picture. So possibly, I would have to say, that's not a, that's not a straight answer, but I would say potentially, for sure. Cool. Yeah, so one thing I've seen with millennials is I, I feel like, partly I feel like the stereotype of millennials being not willing to work hard. I think that's pretty bogus. But what I do see with millennials is I think they, they feel like they're calling corporations on their on their promises. And they're saying, you promised that your environment was constructive and collegial and things like that. Do you see a lot of that? I definitely think so. They always want people to be real with them, right? They want people to uphold their promises. They want folks 
to, you know, not say one thing and then go off and do another, that they really value authenticity and just folks being real. And so that, that I could see dives into this also. Cool. And then, so another big trend affecting how corporations uh, uh, sponsor career development has been the gig economy. How do you see that influencing career development? I think it's, it's huge. It's the same mindset that if you stop learning, you're behind, right? I think the gig economy just makes that even bigger and completely intensifies that, right? If you think about going back to the millennials, right? A lot of folks that graduated college around when I graduated was newly in the workforce or, you know, you think about mid-millennials that were still in college when our recession hit. And so they saw maybe their parents or their peers, older peers, right? Their, their siblings and their cousins invest into one specific skill. And with that, that skill all of a sudden was no longer needed anymore. It was no longer valued or the jobs got cut in that skill or that workforce. And then that, that person did not have a job. Right. And so you think about millennials wanting to continuously learn and continuously grow. Partially, I think that that's because we want to make sure that we still have jobs if another recession hits. Right. Um, sure. We want to be able to still have the flexibility to move into different workforce. When you think about the gig economy, this is really diversifying ourselves. It's being able to work specifically on one project um, for this for this client or one project for this or, or all these what we call side hustles, right? Being able to diversify our skills in multiple different areas to go after one job here, one job there, being able to help out somebody here and then completely on the opposite end, do something different, the next step, right? Sure. Well, it would seem to be shifting the ownership of career development. I mean, we had a, an era, I would say, I look at GE, Accenture, IBM, you know, 70s to 90s, where the company really said, hey, we're going to bring you in, you're, you're bright, we'll teach you, we'll develop your career. And now the gig economy, you know, seems to be putting a lot of that responsibility for career development on the on the employee. Does that make sense? Is that you, Do you see that? Absolutely, I do. And I don't know if it's necessarily the gig economy that's doing that or if it's the workforce that's doing that. Going back to millennials want to make sure that they diversify themselves and within their own career development, they want ownership of their career development. They want to know, they don't want somebody telling you where to go. Now they want options. They don't want a blank slate. They want to say, I, I want to make my own choices for myself. So if I do hit a recession or it doesn't work for my family or whatever, then they are able to take ownership and that responsibility in that change, that somebody else isn't controlling it. So I think that that also is interesting for the career development. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I like that idea that it's really more a matter of individuals taking ownership than it is a matter of, say, corporations pulling back. I think that's very interesting. And like I said, I, I don't think that they want endless options, right? Millennials, mm -hmm. for the instance, or even the the workforce right now, you think about the entire workforce and millennials has taken up um, almost a third of the workforce at this point, at least a fourth of it. But you, you think about them and they, if they can take ownership of their own career uh, development, then they have ownership of their career. They're not solely tied to a company telling them what they can and cannot do. Cool. Do you see this as sort of a 
pendulum where it's going to go one way and it's going to come back at some point? Or do you think we're seeing a, a trend that's pretty much going to plow forward and this is what what it's going to look like? Well, I think it's going to even out. I think that if you see in a lot of companies in the past even five years, they really wanted to open up their career development. You look at our company and we don't have a, hey, you are in this role and you need to take X, Y, and Z training and super rigorous. Um, you see it being more flexible and having a real emphasis on that conversation with your manager to try to figure out how your passions fit into the company's career development plan. But like I said earlier, it's not an open book. So you're seeing a lot of companies say, hey, you can do whatever you want. The world is your oyster. You can do anything you set your mind to it. My husband always jokes. Because he's been told he can do everything, he doesn't know what to do. And I, I see <laughs> right. that happening a lot where these companies are saying, you can do anything. And then employees are saying, well, I don't know even where to start. I feel super right. overwhelmed. I need some sort of direction to being able to just look through a platform to be able to see my options. So then I can make a choice on where I want to go. Do you see companies starting to do that? I'm, I'm thinking it sounds like more like career guidance than it is a fixed curriculum. Yeah, I think I, I have seen this quite often. I don't know if anybody's perfected it yet, though, John, to be quite okay. honest. It's, <laughs> I haven't seen it perfect yet because the options are so flexible that mm -hmm. it, it's really honed in on that conversation and that relationship in between an employee and manager with the good structure also put in place, right? right. So if you, don't have, if you don't have both, you're not going to have the picture-perfect plan. And it's hard to be able to say, hey, we have all of these roles. You, employee, what do you want to do? What are your passions? Let me ask you the good questions, the right questions to figure out maybe the, even the unknown passions that you might have that can really help you blossom in your career. Okay, and now, how, now that we have all those answers gathered, um, where does that fit in, into the company? I think it's going to look very different for according to the size of the organization, the culture of the organization, and the maturity level of the organization. But it also doesn't have to be that complicated either. Really, it's around right. that, those, those relationships and, and the conversations that happen. That's the most key important part. Without that, just a bunch of words on paper. Quite honest. <laughs> right. So, so that brings us back, I think, to an interesting connection. You know, when we talk about millennials, and that was not really the point here, but the millennials are a great example here for just career development investment by corporations. We think about two things with millennials, right? We think one is how they plan their careers, where they're going with their careers, but the other is loyalty, where we don't think of millennials as being loyal. So, I mean, how do we connect that, right? Do, do you see corporations? being rewarded with loyalty from millennials or or is it not worth the investment by a corporation anymore? I think it's going to have to be worth the investment for companies because of things like the gig economy. Because if they are not investing in the learning and development for the employees, they are going to fall behind because the employees are not learning new new and upcoming trends, right? They're not learning the, the jobs that are needed right now. So that's, that's one side of it. The other side of it is I really have a belief that as the millennial generation ages and gets older and more of us get families and more roots, that you will see that there's a little bit more loyalty to good companies. 
for companies that have a good culture fit, good culture all overall, um, invest in their employees, you're going to see way more loyalty than what you would traditionally see in, you know, the news articles of the past 10 years around millennials. Going back to our conversation around millennials earlier, though, if the millennial doesn't think that the company is true, that they're putting on a false persona, that they are saying one thing and doing another, that we don't want to work for the bad guys. We don't want to work for the dishonest people. Right. So what I hear is that you see an older view still still applies that companies investing in people earns loyalty. And then in the end, it's better for the company through the quality of the work they do, the recruiting of people, the sales, basically the bottom line. You see that connect all the way through and that that's still a true statement. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Is that when I restate it that way? You still agree absolutely. with that? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. If you think about how fast the world is moving forward, right? The new technology is coming out, the new techniques, everything. And then you say, no company is investing in any employee ever again, unless it's darn necessary. You're going to get a bunch of employees that fill behind. So they're, then they are going to leave the company, right? Because they don't feel like they're learning. They don't feel like they're growing. They don't feel like they're going to be able to have that ownership within their career that we talked about earlier, all of that sort of stuff. But then you're also going to find that the workforce is under-certified to do the up-and-coming technology. Okay, great. So one of the tools that's been sort of a staple of career development for a long time has been performance reviews. How do you see them being used in the future? I have seen changes overall. There are definitely uh, companies out there that go to what they consider an everyday feedback model or continuous feedback. I've seen some different things with performance reviews, you know, that they used to be, I think, far more thorough, but they might also have had a sort of a strict rubric of expectations. The millennials, as much as they expect certain different things in terms of how they're they're treated, maybe they have a different way of looking at uh, performance reviews as well. And I guess I'd expect them to look at things maybe a little more holistically, that is, they'd expect a performance review to be more holistic and, and personal rather than holding them to some standard model of development. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I think that when you look at a traditional performance review feedback model, you're, you're looking at the, the once a year, set down with your manager, fill out a very rigorous form of, around your performance, and then it's, uh, like you said, maybe compared to one another to make sure everything's fair. And, and not that anything of that is bad by any means. I think that some of that was built at a lot of a, a lot of good to make sure that those personal conversations were being had at least on a once or twice a year basis, right? But as we look forward, people want more real-time feedback. They want to know how they're doing. They don't want to be told six months later that they did poorly in a meeting on a such and such Tuesday a couple months ago. They want to be right. able to grow and mature and develop um, as time goes on, not that strict once or twice a year sort of feedback model. So I think that it will change going, uh, going forward what that actually looks like because I, the things that I'm seeing out there is, uh, hey, go in. You know, add add another email to your inbox and, and fill out how Johnny did in such and such meeting today. That's super rigorous too. So maybe it's more around just the building of the relationships and creating a feedback culture where people know how to give feedback as well as how to accept feedback. Maybe that's the answer. But I, I definitely know that there's there's shifts happening through that for sure. 